What's going on? How we doing, sports fans? Welcome back. This is episode two of the Front Runners. I am your co-host Chris and Jesse Nixon here with my good friend and co-host Eli Sultan. How we doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. A lot better uh, say, after yesterday. I, so, I we'll get into that last night, man. It was, a, it, was a, it was a nice. It was a nice change, change of pace, but. Uh, <laughs> At the top of the show, we're going to hop into a little baseball and softball. You know what I'm saying? A couple of sports on the diamond that we did not get to talk about last episode. So, um, I'm going to jump right into a little MLB discussion. Nothing too uh, in-depth because, you know, we're early. We're early in the season. Like, we don't really know anything for sure yet, but I'll tell you really early. We had a lot of New York and LA dominance. I saw a graphic that it was the first time that the two New York and two LA teams, of course, being the Mets, Mets Yankees, who are NLAL, and then Dodgers Angels, who are NLAL, all leading their divisions at once. Um, and that six has changed as the Los Angeles Angels have blown it miserably. They are now under 500. At, I think 27 and 28, they're on an 11 game losing streak. Now, they're still only a half game out of the third wild card. Yes, there are three wild cards now, as weird as it is. But the eleven game losing streak, uh, yeah, it's a little, a little concerning, you could say. Um, on the bright side for them, Mike Trout is having the worst stretch of his career at O of twenty two, and it's only on the bright side because he's Mike Trout. He will get better. Like with some guys, it might be like, oh, it might just be a rough season for him. No, Mike Trout is going to figure it out. You know it. You know he will. He's Mike Trout. So that's contributing to the losing streak, and hopefully he gets right and they can kind of get back on track. But, um, yeah, still, though, after all that, they're only a half game back of the third wild card. They definitely will have a chance. Uh, they need Shohei to get hot and, you know, have another month like he did, I think, last June. I think it was June where he hit, like, 15 homers or something. And um, that would be nice, you know. Maybe Rendon getting back healthy, which – Seems like a long shot at this point to have him healthy for a long period of time, but yeah, you know, we'll see with them. On the other hand, the Yankees having about the opposite season right now. Um, well, the opposite of what the Angels are having over the last eleven games because the Yankees are thirty-nine and fifteen, dominating the league. The pitching staff is like top three in everything or something. They're ridiculous. Their starters have they like. Four starters that are sub three or something. I don't even know, man. It's looking really good for them. Shout out to the, the mustache man, Nestor Cortez. He's um, yeah. I was going to say shout out to Nestor. Um, so yeah, they're doing great. Aaron Judge is him right now. He's ridiculous. I think he's five homers ahead of second place in the league. He has twenty one. I think next most is sixteen for anyone else. So. Yeah, it's looking looking good for the Yanks. We are on course for a nice Dodgers-Yankees World Series, which everyone has predicted probably for the last, not, well, not really, but, like, it's been on the table for the last five years, and it's finally looking like we're going to get it because those are the clear two best teams in the league, I think. Um, actually, no, the Mets have a better record than the Dodgers. Cause, oh, yeah, because the Dodgers got swept by the Pirates. That's yeah, I, I was I was gonna add that in case you didn't. I just wanna he shouted out LA and New York dominance. The Dodgers are a great team, but they got swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates at home. That's crazy. At home. 
You got you lose three games to the Pittsburgh Pirates, or was it four? I don't even know. I think it was three. That's yeah. ab- it's... absurd. Absurd. No team in the MLB should lose three straight to the Pirates. Four game over but... the Mets, so they're right behind the Mets right now. But no, the Dodgers will be all right. Yeah, yes, the Dodgers and Mets will have. They're they're both really good. The Mets are insane pitching, and they're right now without both of their Hall of Fame aces. Yeah. So, was... yeah, they're really good too. Yeah. I will send a quick shout out to the rookies. Uh, Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt started really slow, but they have turned it up. Um, Julio Rodriguez has 17 steals. He's going to like, he's on pace for like a 40 20 season or something. So, a future 40 40 guy. Um, Bobby Witt turned it up, had like a really long extra base hit streak. Um, so, he. He's been doing well lately. Mackenzie Gore is ridiculous right now. Nolan Gorman only played a few games, like 14 games, I think, but he's ridiculous too. Shout out to Suzuki as well. Um, my original rookie of the year pick. I'm going to stick with it for now, at least. Um, but yeah, that's that's the kind of MLB update for now. I'll hop into some softball real quick, Eli. Also... Our, our two teams aren't doing the best. I know you guys are doing better than the A's, but the A's, I, I'm an A's fan. I'm an A's fan for all of you who don't know. It is so miserable. Just I say, hate my life. The ownership has been messing with you guys for way too long. It's bad, man. I know. If they leave, I'm going to cry. But that's a story for another time. Um... At the end of the last episode, I touched on shout out. My shout out of the week was the Women's College World Series for softball. Since that episode, it has begun. It is actually almost over. Uh, the semifinals, the day we're recording this, June 6th, are today. So only four teams left. Now three, because one of them already got eliminated. But uh, just give you guys a quick recap on kind of like how the Women's College World Series has gone. Um, Starting out, Chris, you'll probably touch on this because this is probably the team you know most about. Uh, Oklahoma, the University of Oklahoma, are incredibly unfair. They have, going into today, uh, they only had two losses all year. Going into the tournament, like the whole tournament, not just the World Series, um, they had allowed 38 ru- earned runs as a team, and they hit 138 home runs as a team, uh, which is no, it's, ungodly. It's crazy. That should not exist. Um, so they're the clear favorite. They're the best team, reigning champs. Uh, they have the home run queen, Jocelyn Allo, on their team. She's a senior this year. Uh, she passed Lauren Chamberlain, who also went to Oklahoma, who held the home run record. She now has the all-time most home runs. Um, But yeah, so going into today, uh, Oklahoma played UCLA in their semifinal. UCLA had to win twice. They actually won the first game, so that's why I said going into today, Oklahoma only had two losses. So they now have three, but then they won the second game 15-0. to And Jocelyn Allo, home run queen, two-time player of the year, uh, had seven RBIs. So, One grand slam, I think, too. Uh, UCLA, they gave him, a, yeah, UCLA gave him a little, or Oklahoma gave UCLA a little bit of life. They let Maya Brady, Tom, Brace, Tom Brady's niece, hit a home run off him. 
and then they're like, no, never mind. Uh, so Oklahoma is now in the championship or awaiting their opponent. The second semi actually, I think, is going on right now as we're recording this. It's Oklahoma State, Texas. So that kind of leads me into my next point, which is of the eight teams that made it, six of them were Big 12 and Pac-12 teams, which is ridiculous. Um, the one other, the, the two others, it was one SEC team in Florida. Florida made it. And then one Big 10 team because Northwestern made it. Um so big Pac-12 and Big 12 representation. Big 12 <laughs> clearly better than Pac-12, I guess, because three of the four finalists were all Big 12. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, I think I have one other point. Yes, the championship for any of you who care, I hope you do, because college softball is truly, really entertaining. Uh, the championship starts Wednesday, June 8th, and it's one game a day, so... It's best of three, so if whoever wins game one also wins game two on June 9th, then it's June 8th and June 9th. But if it goes to three games, then it's June 8th, June 8th to June 10th. And it will be either Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State or Oklahoma versus Texas. Uh, and Oklahoma State and Texas, aside from UCLA today, are the only two teams that have beaten Oklahoma this year. But they only beat them once each. So Oklahoma is still the heavy favorite. Uh, the Women's College World Series is also held in Oklahoma wow. City. So if it's Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State, that is going to be an insane environment. So I'm personally kind of hoping for Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. But that's your, that's your weekly uh, recap of women's college softball. Um, Oklahoma. <laughs> Yeah. Two of my biggest props No, it's it's truly ridiculous. But I mean, yeah. they're. I think I looked and they're on top for a reason. Three players combined so. for like eighty homers or something, or something like twenty-seven and something twenty-two. Yeah. No, they they bet they bet Jocelyn Allo, who's the back-to-back -back player of the year. They bet her second. She's not even like their three hitter or four hitter. They better second and she <laughs> hits like 30 home runs a year. And then and then their three hitter, I think, has like 27 home runs or something this year, which is ridiculous still, but it's just Jocelyn Allo has like 34 or something. And another girl with 22, so, bro. Like, they probably have, I don't know, it's like hard to find the yeah. like leaderboards for college baseball and softball and stuff, but I think they probably have like three of the top five, right? From runs, like <laughs> I think so, yeah, yeah. And I, I also I looked for it, I couldn't find it, but uh, their pitching is also ridiculous. They're an ace pitcher who's been like in and out of the lineup recently. Apparently, she's been hurt. She's our grade. She's a freshman, and she's their ace pitcher. She's their ace pitcher. So Oklahoma is going to be scary for a long time to come, but. I don't. I have no idea. But has a point six ERA. I don't know if it's a, she's started up. And then they have another. I don't know. Jordan Ball has a point nine five, and then Nicole May has a point nine nine. All in Oklahoma. So <laughs> all sub one ERA from their point eight six, and the team batting average is three seventy. Both lead the entire yeah. 
That's the other thing. Sorry, I know we're going on about softball and baseball. Jocelyn Allo not only hits bombs, she's betting like yeah, four ninety this year. In the lead. Oh like, wait, Jocelyn Allo not the leader. He is second in homers. I guess this is regular season, but so from Wichita State, Addison Barnard had thirty. Yeah, but they have two of the top four, and then okay, well, there there are other one Grace Lyons. The shortstop with twenty one homers is eleventh. So three of the top eleven. Uh, exaggerating a little bit, but still ridiculous. Yeah. Tune in June. It's 8th. on like ESPN, right? Championship. Yeah, it's on ESPN. That's a bit, a bit ridiculous. Also, not all of it's getting. Speaking of ridiculous, the NBA Finals. And this is what you guys want to hear. We're basketball fiends, so we can get into our NBA Finals recap of Game 1 and Game 2, I guess. we got to talk about Game 1, unfortunately. We can go ahead and stop uh, this. All right. Well, okay. I mean, we, you guys heard our predictions. I thought we were going to win Game 1 going into it, of course. I'm like, you know, we're not going to we, – we're undefeated at home. We're not going to give up home court the first game of the Finals, right? And um, it was looking all right in the first quarter. It felt like, I mean, obviously, Steph coming out on fire is great. It felt like we should have been up by more, but it also felt like one of those games kind of that we, they were going to hang around and we just blow them away in the third quarter and it'll be all right. Like, that's kind of what I was thinking. Then they took the lead at halftime and you're like, okay, this is not great. Steph had 21 in the first quarter and he did all that to be down to at half. And the third quarter happens. It felt pretty good. And I remember specifically, it was a couple minutes left, and I think it was 87 to 72. I know we had 87, because Steph took a three that would have put us at 90. And yeah. I think would have put the game kind of out of reach. And he missed it. It was like a deep three. He missed it. And then, like, two possessions late. I think they scored, and then, like, a couple possessions later, Jordan Poole turned the ball over in the backcourt and gave them a layup, and that brought the game back down to, like, nine or something and at that point i'm like oh boy we have a game like it could have been a rest the starters type of situation but i was like okay now we have a game and then sure enough Derek white and al horford probably scored 20 points after that and did not miss a single shot so it was i'll tell you from my perspective i did dinner right as soon as the Celtics took the lead. So I didn't know how bad it got until later. But yeah, it was just like bizarre. They were seven for seven for three or something in the fourth quarter. Derek White, he's hitting the open lines. And then it's like, okay, now we're closing out to him and he's still hitting him. It's like, oh, oh no. He, he hit one as the shot clock expired with the Steph. I, I literally, the Steph was like literally on top of him. Like, I don't know how he made it. Know, and it was like, as the shot clock expired, I was like, I think it was to tie the game at 103, I'm pretty sure. And I was like, eh, nah, this yeah, It was just like, bro. it was a weird shooting that, you know, like, you don't expect that on the road. That's the whole thing they always say. Road players play better at home. Yeah. Especially not in game one, when your team has zero games exactly. of finals experience, bro. We had 123. Oh, just broke, what do you break the record for like the longest final drought before making it or something? 
Yes, bro. And 15 years in NBA without touching the finals. Yeah. Nah, and then they come out and do that on our home floor, bro. Nah. I saw the dumb 2K tweet saying that if Mike Breen was announcing, he would have said, this crowd is stunned. And I, uh, I was so mad after that game, bro. I was so mad. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Thank God Mike Breen was not playing uh, that game. Uh, okay, here's the thing. The weird thing about the game was that Jason Tatum had a stinker. He had a complete, well, he didn't play terrible, but he shot terribly. 3 for 17. Some of the looks were open. Some of them were just good defense. Like, there was a reason why he didn't have a great scoring game. But some of the looks were even decent open, especially later on. Yeah. And he just couldn't hit anything. And even Jalen Brown wasn't that great until the fourth quarter when everyone was making everything. He turned it up and had, like, 9, 10, 10, and 9, 10 points, something like that. I don't know. But it was really the role players. Yeah. It was Marcus Smart, especially in the first quarter. And then it was... Al Horford and Derek White, those are the guys that are going to win the game for them? Like, I don't know, man. I was... Yeah, they're literally, I think, they're, I think their three highest scorers were Horford, White, and Smart. I do, man. Like, I, I feel like that was our game plan going in. Is like, if we can force Horford and yeah, White everyone else to, to be the scorers, we're going to be okay. And then, of course, that's what they did. I mean, it ended up not even being that close, right? Like, it ended up being a 12-point win. It's like, I don't know. I'll admit, I was a little scared because I knew the matchup was, like, they match up pretty well against us, but I didn't expect all that. Okay, Brown had 24, so he was the second that you scored. But White had 11 shots, 21 okay. points, and Horford had 12 shots, 26 points. Like... Horford's shot also, this is so unrelated. Horford's shot should not go. Not as Jaron Jackson. If, if any of you if any of you if any of you are watching this with video on Spotify, you're about to see what I'm gonna do. This is how Al Horford shoots the ball. His guide hand is on top of the basketball, bro. How does that go in? Yeah. Frustrating. Frustrating to win. Oh yeah, no. Jared Jackson is pushing the ball like a fifth grader. But, yeah, that was a nightmare game for the Warriors. Jason Tatum, I will add, like although he shot super, like it was a disaster shooting game. He did a really good job of understanding that the Warriors were defending him well and like finding the passes. Obviously, at thirteen assists, and we turned him into a point guard, which I thought would be a good idea. And he did a great job adjusting. So. I'll give him a lot of credit for adjusting to our our game plan of trying to shut him off and make the other guy score. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Jalen Brown has he and here's the thing: the series, the Celtics are tough shot makers. That's what Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum do. He scores his three pointers, uh, Tatum off those like sidestep threes, and he's always like his jumper is like a natural fade to it, and he's gonna like fade over you and try and hit the three. It's just, it's just a difficult shot to make. He's super skilled, so he can make it a lot of the time. But it's just a really difficult shot to make. His mid-rangers, his turnaround, fadeaways and stuff. I mean, you know, he's a Kobe disciple. He watches Kobe, tries to dance. Kobe took a ton of really tough shots. That's, what, that's how he was so good. He's, he can make shots that are really hard, right? So, 
It's in Brown, not exactly the same way, but it takes a lot of tough mid-range shots, tough threes over contests. Like that's kind of what they do. And so there's going to be instances where Jalen Brown's going to be feeling it. He's going to score 40 and same with Tatum, of course. And there's also going to be instances where it's just not going in and they don't have a lot of easy, easy offense. Even their finishes are just different. They're just really good at making difficult finishes at the rim, right? They don't have a lot of easy offense. And so I think that creates a little bit of a not-so-consistent offense, which is why they sucked at the beginning of the year, if we're being honest. That's, they were terrible because their offense was so inconsistent. Um, but they can make enough of the tough shots, obviously, to get to the finals. So it's kind of a balance between how tough can the Warriors make those shots for the Jays, especially, and... If it requires multiple defenders, can the Jays then go and find the open man or start the ball movement or whatever? And then you get the Warriors swinging the ball, Warriors offensive swinging the ball around, finding up the three, finding a layup. And then, of course, how many threes can Al Horford, Derek White, or Smart make? So, and Grant Williams, too. He hasn't done much the first two games, but he'll have a game. So. Yeah. yeah kind of a balance between the tough shot making and the Warriors defense. And then of course, on the other end, the Celtics are an incredible defensive team that matches up like, I mean, they match up really well against everybody, but like, they they have have a guy for everything the Warriors really want to do. And Rob Williams causes us issues. I know he causes everyone issues, but I feel like he causes us more issues than everyone else. And they're just a lot more athletic than the Warriors, which is one thing that's hard to gameplay against. But, yeah, it's a question of, you know, are you going to hit shots over the drop because they're playing some drop coverage the first couple of games? Um, can you get stuff going off the ball? Because their ball pressure is incredible, especially Marcus Smart. He is a monster. Um, can we get finishes over their shot blockers and their guards because their guards block shots too, like, it's like it's gonna be a little game of chess, but um, I think I mean like I said, I trust the Warriors a little more because I think their offensive firepower is a lot more than what the Celtics have. They have two shot makers and a lot of role players. I trust the Warriors shot makers more because they just have all more of them, and then they have staff the game breaker. It's gonna be interesting. Do give us your yeah. game two thoughts? You know. Absolutely. Um, Much better performance from the Warriors. Um, It actually was like kind of a bad start. Like we, me, me and Chris and two of our friends uh, are actually (laughs) at that time, one of our friends, because Jaden Wong, I'm calling you out on the podcast, showed up at halftime. That's besides the point. Pull up. Wait, I don't care. Uh, I'm calling him out regardless. Yeah, you pull up halfway through a game, bro. Whatever. Uh, so me, Chris, and our lovely friend who was on time, Brandon Bird, uh, we watched the game together. Uh, and the beginning was honestly not that great because Tatum and Brown came out. It was like Brown like Bing. first half of the quarter and then especially the Brown. Of the quarter. Like, yeah, Brown. They were killing it. Yeah, Brown and Tatum at the end of the first both had 13 points. I think Brown's 13 were all yeah. in, like, the first five and a half minutes, and then he got, like, subbed out or something. I don't know. But 
yeah, he got in foul trouble. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were on fire to start the game. I was like, bro, oh my, are we really about to draw both home games, bro? It was looking, it was looking horrendous. And Smart was all over Steph. Steph couldn't get, like, Steph had, like, I don't even know what, like, four points or something. It was, and, like, two of them were free throws. <laughs> he was so bad to start. But then the Warriors decided to pick it back up. We had the intensity from the jump also. I forgot to mention that. Ten seconds into the game, Draymond gets oh, yeah. a jump ball on Al Horford. And then instead of being typical Draymond and showboating and yelling, yeah. he just walked away. I knew he was, I knew he was walking serious. when I saw that. I was like, okay, he's, he's serious uh, tonight. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, first quarter... Smart was all over Steph. And then Steph finally got it going. Um, the Warriors got it going. And then what? We were down two at half, no, we were right? Two. We were was it one tied? after the first quarter because Steph had the little push shot. Yeah. And then the second quarter, we scored yeah, yeah, yeah. four points in the non-Steph minutes. And then he came back in, and it was just a slow yeah. quarter. Yeah. We really needed I think we went on, like, a little 10 run. It was, it was a much more defensive game than the first game. Like, it was – both teams had, like, barely above 50 at halftime, which for an NBA game is crazy for both teams to be that low. I think so, yeah. This is what I expected to see. So, great defensive game. If, yeah, I – yeah, same. Because we're, we were 1-1-2 one, one defensive defensively. We had, like, the same defensive rating at the end of the regular season, so. Yeah. Yeah. Much more of a slow um, and yeah, exactly. A big reason, at least on the Warriors' side, that we were much more intense defensively, aside from Draymond being locked in, was my boy was back from Dylan Brooks hurting him. Screw Dylan Brooks. We're Dylan Brooks haters on this podcast. Gary Payton the second GP2 made his return. And God, I love him. Oh, He's so dude. good. Just provide such a Jason good split off the bench. Got up off the bench too. Oh yeah, I think he literally got like a standing ovation or something. But yeah, um, so yeah, first half kind of a slugfest, and then third quarter. Obviously, the Warriors' third quarter team. I think I saw on like I was rewatching like the post game and it, like. The post game with like Stephen A, Mike Wilbon, Jalen Rose, like this morning because I wanted to refresh myself. It was just so much better, bro. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> no, I like the TNT crew is a lot funnier, but honestly, like that crew is possibly a little bit better yeah, for like game. They don't analysis. get, they don't get as, as much done on <laughs> TNT. That's probably true. That's probably true. Yeah, but. We love our boys on TNT. Shout out them. TNT buy the rights to the finals, so we get Shaq and Charles at the finals. That would be amazing. <laughs> exactly. But I think it was either Jalen Rose or Mike Wilbon. One of them said, like, the Warriors in the third quarter are the NBA's yeah. 31st team. Like, we're just a completely different team. So that, again, held true. Third quarter Warriors dominated. Um Aside from one man, which we will get into later, Clay Thompson had a horrendous game. But 
the rest of the Warriors all played great in the third. Um, and Jordan Poole, especially Jordan Poole, finally looked kind of playable. Thank God. talked about the Warriors sucking in the first quarter yeah. at the beginning because it was looking bad. They couldn't score. Jordan Poole was a big part of that because he came in after looking really bad in game one and just, like, looked unplayable. Yeah. No, actually, we also I, – I'm – I don't. I wouldn't say I'm calling you out, Chris, but it, it worked. It worked. It worked. So, for those of you who do follow us on Twitter, you'll see our Twitter handles. I recently just made mine: Eli Sultan and Moses Moody Enjoyer, and Chris's was enthusiast uh, at the time of the first game. Jordan Poole enthusiast. Had that from and like when after the first quarter of the regular season. So. Yeah. And then after the first quarter, he was like, I'm done with him. I'm changing it to GP2 Enjoyer. So he changed it to GP2 Enjoyer. And then Jordan Poole starts playing great. So if you go on Twitter now, you'll find Moses Moody Enjoyer with me and GP2 Enjoyer <sighs> I, uh, with Chris. So I guess I guess he was listening. I was a Jordan Poole hater for that first quarter. I will not lie. He was, I mean, he was playing terrible. He was. He was, he was like doing, he couldn't find his like groove on offense where he's tearing the ball and trying to score. It's no. a tough balance to find. Like it's a lot of guys, I mean, Jason Tatum, he struggled with it for years, finding the perfect balance. But the problem with Poole doing it is he was, he's too small. So he's either getting bullied, turn the ball over and stuff. And he was really looking borderline unplayable. They had to take him out for the rest of the second quarter and not even, I don't think Secret looked his way until like two minutes left in the third. But yeah, he looked really rough. He was missing yeah. shots. He hit the one three, but really what it was is going to the basket. The Celtics were all over him. I think Tice got him and was it Tice that got him that? I don't remember. Maybe Tice got him later on. I think it was Tice got him once. I think Jalen yeah. Brown and got him White once. Too. Because White got Curry and Poole. Yeah, and so that's three blocks. Three blocks right there. He got blocked and three times. And I think, is really his best skill. Like, as good as he is a three-point shooter. Oh, it is. He has a great crazy, layup. Because he can do, I mean, he can do everything with it, but he's doing everything and he's still blocking it. So it was looking, it was looking rough. But obviously he bounced back, came in, looked a lot more under control, but also confident because being under control is... Probably the biggest thing he struggles with, besides just defense, but the offensively, his biggest, um, I don't know, his biggest uh, weakness is he's out of control sometimes. He's just, like, doing too much. Ball is, he's dribbling the ball. You know, they always say you keep the ball low. He does not keep it low. And So he came in, looked under control, looked a lot better, and I think that's going to be a turning point. It's not, I'm not saying he's going to going average 20 the rest of the series, but I think it's a turning point to where he'll look playable offensively, which, of course, if he's not playable offensively, he's not going to help you at all. So he'll look good offensively, I think, the rest of the way. And um, hopefully he has a nice 25-point game or something. Because I know Steph's going to have a stinker. He always does. He'll have one stinker. Hopefully Jordan Poole can pick it up in that game. That's what I'm hoping. That's the, that's the dream. So I think a great aspect 
that helped Jordan Bull when he did come back in at the end of the third, which we'll get to in a minute. His little flurry, which was insane, um, was the Warriors closing out the third. We talked about just like their third quarter, their mm-hmm. third quarter Warriors in general. Again, when I like rewatched the post game with like that crew, I rewatched the end of the third. I think it was like the last. It was either five and a half or four and a half, something like that. The Warriors literally were on like a twenty-one to two run or something. Like we shut Boston down like completely. It was not even a contest during that stretch. Um, and so then, yeah, I think so. And then Poole comes in and. His, has his little flurry. And I think it was like the last 38 seconds. He hits two threes. He gets one. He gets a switch on the Tice. Does like his weird little like dribble and then like jab step. Three, nice move. Step back three. He's so on balance. That's swish. Yeah. And then they come down. Yeah. I don't know how he, he has such good balance. And they come down. Derek White misses a three, which if that was game one, that would have been all net. Uh, then we get a rebound, give it to Jordan Poole. And I'm going to be honest, Chris can attest to this because we're watching it in like our local theater because they show the games. I was like, Jordan Poole, what are you doing? There's still like two seconds on the clock. Why are you shooting that? Jordan Poole hoists it from half court with like four defenders around him. And with two seconds left still, he could have gotten oh, so like, much closer or passed it. <laughs> and then he drills it. Yeah, exactly. And then he drills it, and the crowd goes nuts. And that's when I was like, yeah, not. Nah. I mean, at that point, the game was already pretty much out of reach, but then I was like, yeah, no, nah, Boston was cooked. Yeah, it was, it was third quarter dagger, yeah. which is pretty rare for a dagger to be that early in the game. But you knew, you just knew, like, there's no way Boston's coming back after a dude just hit a shot from 39 feet from the basket. <laughs> the funniest part was that he did, oh the, he did the same, like, step back. <laughs> like, who does a jab step back? From yeah, yeah, he did the same thing, Half court, bro. <laughs> Jordan Poole, that's a topic for another time, but Jordan Poole is incredibly unserious. He, he's, an, un, he's a clown. But he's around our so age, funny. so I get it. All, all these, all these like youngins in the league. I think are I saw so he's young, the youngest so player to ever hit five plus threes in the finals. So, yeah, um, yeah. It was a big um, congrats, my guy. Big game for Poole. He he had a couple moments in the fourth where I was like, all right, relax. Like, I know you're comfortable now, but like, you don't do all that. Yeah, but looked a lot better. Oh yeah, no, it was good for his oh, confidence. Yeah. Good for it his was, confidence. It was it was very good to see. Yeah, I think I thought he was gonna pass to Steph, but pass to someone on the other side of the court. <laughs> but, uh, it was like I think it was like Steph and Otto were Otto both pretty, wide open. They could have gone like a decent but, like thirty foot, which is not really his range, but like it, more hittable than a thirty nine yeah. foot jab step back. He hit it obviously. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Should we move on to someone who didn't have such a oh. great game? Yes. Okay. I'll say when he came back, we're talking about Clay, by the way, obviously. When he came back from the injury, we let it go for the first, like, 10 games because, of course, he was trying to get the rhythm back. But it just there were a lot of moments where it just looked like he was forcing it, right? He was taking... 
some shots. Like he, he's, he has a little different shot profile in general, but he was taking some shots that it's like just not quite his game. A, a couple too many post ups, especially when it's not like a guy that's really small. Because dude, if you have a six two defender on you, shoot over seven. Who cares? He's not going to be able to contest you. It makes sense. You got a six five, six seven wing on you, whatever it is. I don't think you need to be taking post fades. Like you're not LeBron. You're not Anthony Davis. You don't need to be posting up like that. It's not just not quite his game. I will say, in last night, for the most part, until the fourth quarter when he was trying to force himself back into rhythm, it looked like he was playing his game. He was aggressive, and sometimes, like, kind of so aggressive it's crazy, but that's kind of what makes him clay. It's the same as Steph. No one else takes the shot Steph takes. That's why Steph. Yeah, of course. Right? Like, the kind of unreasonable confidence. So some of them were kind of that, but at least those are shots that he can make. So I honestly, I'm not super worried. With that being said, he was awful shooting the ball. And if Clay's going to be awful shooting the ball, he's going to be a bad player. Like, he is a negative if he's shooting that badly. It's, it's what he does. You know, the defense was at one point, like, very good to elite. It's not elite anymore. I think it's still solid. I think, honestly, he's going to end up being, like, a three or a four within the next couple of years. Like, he's going to end up just being a stretch, through, uh, like a stretch four for guys and guard guys that are like perimeter guys, but not the number one guy. That's my like projection of the future. But for now, he's like he's not the guy you want on Jalen Brown, but he could do some bothering with his length. Uh, but bottom line is, if he's not shooting well, he's not going to be a good player. So he didn't have a good night whatsoever. He did hit the one three in the third quarter. I think it was. It was I'm pretty sure it was third quarter. Yeah, and then he like did like the double fist pump, like yes, I'm back. <laughs> no, you're not, bro. But I'm gonna miss like four more shots after. No, you're not in a row. But yeah, it was alright. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm not super worried. Until the fourth quarter, I don't feel feel like he was forcing really anything. Um, at the end of the day, I knew it while he was hurt. Clay Thompson is not going to lose his shooting. He is Clay Thompson. He can shoot. And he was fine in game one. He had a really bad game. He had a stinker. And we won the stinker. That's perfect. If you're going to have a 4-for-19 game... Exactly. The Celtics won Tatum's stinker. 4-for-19 game, so. please have it in the game where we're going to blow him out anyways. That's awesome. Perfect. So, I think they'll go back to Boston. It'll be fine. You know it's Clay. So, he's going to have, like, one game where he goes for 30-plus. And he's just feeling it. Um, uh, yeah. I'm recording. If this game go, If this series goes to at least six... But, um, yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, if it goes to at least six games, I'll put money that it's game six. I thought it was a down 3 2 but, thing, but apparently in the Netflix series, it doesn't matter. No, apparently, game six, it's just game six. Uh, if it gets to game six, he'll have a, he'll have a game. Um, but yeah, he'll, he'll figure it out. I trust him. Another player who didn't he didn't necessarily play badly. He's just like he makes me question my own Yeah. Yeah. He just makes me question my existence. I'm like, bro, why is this dude on the floor sometimes? But we're talking about the man, the heart, the soul of the Warriors, Draymond Green. We mentioned him earlier. He was locked in intensity-wise, clearly, uh, as we'll get into. 
his intensity was there. I think all in the span, or I, I put on the, on our notes document, but um, Draymond had one tackle, two mounts, and a technical and foul this whole game. Whole lot drawing, bro. Um, whole lot <laughs> Yeah. Could have easily been ejected. He is so, like, I, I think, Chris, you said to me, like, Draymond literally gets a better whistle than Steph yes, Curry, dude. His, which is ridiculous. He, he took seven feet. I was just looking at the stats. He, like, statistically, it was a very good game for him. Nine points, five boards, seven uh, assists, and online. He was two for three from the field, five for seven from the line. So, like, that's a good game. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I just barely remember anything from the game. I remember him shooting a couple free throws and I remember him like hitting that one Jordan Poole layup. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mostly remember the antics because why was he on top of like two different Celtics players, bro? <laughs> no, no, there was what, like when we were watching the game together, they, they showed like, it was like a, one of the slow motion replays when they're like cutting the commercial, it was literally like Draymond screened Marcus Smart and Marcus Smart like went to the ground and then Draymond just was like <laughs> literally over him, like on all fours, like over him. And then like this just in the background while like Steph Curry is driving to the basket, taking a layup or something. It literally makes no sense. And then he, ta- he literally tackles Grant Williams how in God's name was that a foul on Grant Williams? I do exactly. not know. The other one when like they were trying to get the ball up and the Celtics were like pressing or something, and then Draymond passed it to Steph and then like yeah, yeah, tried yeah. to go through so Grant, Grant Williams, Williams and somehow they were both fouls on Grant Williams. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I feel like Grant Williams was standing there. And then this dude yeah, he was. And then after this dude gets a tech, I don't even really remember how he got his tech. I think he was just complaining because he does everything. But yeah, yeah. And then after he gets a tech, this dude contests a shot to Jalen Brown, which, as you should, Jalen Brown is their second scoring option, fouls him on a three, and then puts his feet on Jalen Brown's face, bro. And then Jalen Brown goes like that to like get him off. And then Draymond's like, he, Draymond shoves him in the back. He's like, bro, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then Jalen Brown like gets up and starts talking. And then this dude, Draymond, tries to pull down Jalen Brown's shorts, bro. Like, what is he doing? What is he doing? I don't understand. He, With attack. With attack. If he had gotten ejected right there, I would have been furious. He's doing the most, man. He was actually doing the most. Like, he like tackled him on the contest. It wasn't like that bad, but it was a clear foul on the contest. And somehow ends up with no. I don't know why we ended up with his feet on top of Jalen Brown. It doesn't make any sense, bro. <laughs> <laughs> somehow he got away with it, though. That man. Hey, if you're listening to our podcast, you might as well listen to Draymond's too. I guarantee he has an episode out yeah. right now where he's gonna like rant about the game. So. Oh he needs to relax. That's what I think. I mean, they were talking about it on the broadcast. I think they talked to Steve Javi, and he said, yeah, the officials do take into account because they don't want to eject a guy. Because it's like, yeah, he had two texts, but it's not It's not like what he was doing was crazy, that crazy that it was worth an ejection. So they, they don't want to no. give a guy his second tech when it's not that bad. But it's just not a, yeah. a risk. 
Because I think they said like a normal call yeah. there would be a double. If tech. he had gotten the other one earlier, I'm sure I'm sure that would have been a double tech. Fortunately, it wasn't. And there's actually okay. Shout out to Brandon because he actually he said on Twitter it's kind of a stupid rule that they officiate depending or they officiate like yeah. differently according to how many techs a guy has. Do you think they should? Do that, or do you think they should just be straight up? Does this individual situation deserve attack? I mean, it really benefited us, but <laughs> I also agree. I think it is kind of, I think it is kind of a dumb rule. Like, if a dude is doing something where he's deserving of a technical, but he already has one and it's like a big game and you don't want to throw him out, that should not stop you from throwing him out. Like, he should get the second technical because it's a technical foul. Okay. Honestly, I know I am biased. I kind of disagree just because I just don't want to see... Uh, I, I don't want to see Luca get two texts for complaining at calls that aren't, it's not when it's not that bad. Like, I don't want to see Luca cuss out the refs yeah. once in the first quarter, get a tech. Yeah. Yeah. And then because he cusses him out again, like, in the beginning of the fourth quarter, now he's gone. Or Jokic or something, get it that he just doesn't really deserve. Because it, it's, I'd rather have them bend the rules to keep the game fully, including the players, than not. Yeah. But I think they shouldn't give you a longer leash after the first one. Like, don't be quick on the first one and then be like, okay, you're good now. No. Because I think, I mean, we, I don't think we really saw, I think the first one was just for him talking and yelling, but. I feel like he did more on the second, like, or on the ground play than he did to get the first tech. So, if anything, it should be that you have a little bit of leeway to get the first tech. Yeah. But once you have the first one, you better shut up. Because that makes more sense anyways. The first tech is like your warning. Don't do anything stupid yeah. or you're out of here. So, I guess that's the way I see it. And in that case, and if you communicate that to the guys, that we aren't going to, like, do this anymore where we take it into account. It's like, if you deserve a second tech, you're getting teched then I think they relax more after the first one, which is ultimately the result you want anyways, right? You want Draymond to shut up and stop cussing you out five minutes into the game because you got one maybe foul call wrong. So, I don't know. I feel like that's the more effective way to go about it. But at the end of the day, I do not want to see them yeah. throwing Draymond out of that game. Obviously, I'm a Warriors fan. But... No. And, I mean, even if the Warriors weren't playing, I get, like, it makes more sense for them to bend the rules in, like, this scenario because it's the NBA Finals. The referees do not want that kind of heat that they would get on social media if they threw out one of the best or, like, one of the most, yeah, like, important like players to a team. Steph and then, like, Clay Poole. Yeah, I mean, like, it was, like, game one in Memphis. Yeah, it was, like, game one in Memphis of the Warriors-Memphis series. They ejected Draymond. I mean, granted, we went on to win that game, and I went ballistic on social media after that game. I just want to point that out. But um, <laughs> but they ejected Draymond after that game, and then they got annihilated on Twitter. Everyone was like, bro, how are you going to throw out, like, such a key person in, like, the playoff? Like, the playoffs, they should be more, like, lenient about, like, what's an ejection, what's not. So... Like I, I get, I get them bending the rules more in this scenario, but I like your approach also of like you get way more leeway on the first one, but once you get the first one, like you yeah. better shut up. I think that even like players so, and media, are kind of crazy. especially for Draymond, uh, tech, or they ejected Draymond in the 
came out of Memphis. Everyone was mad. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. It ends up usually working out to be okay. Like, I remember Jokic got teed up. I think it was game two. And it was like, he clearly, like, was just trying to get, like, he did not want to be there. He knew he was going to get the tech. He was down by, like, 20. No. He was just like, I'm going to get my work, and then I'm going back to the locker room. I think it was over. So, like, that one kind of made sense in the flow. I think they usually yeah. tend to get it right. And obviously, like, we've had the whole tech thing go the wrong way for us before. So, yeah. I wonder how close Draymond is. He can't be that much. He's probably only, like, two ticks away. Getting suspended. I really hope not, but that wouldn't surprise me. Um, oh, should we go for the, the belly minutes to finish off the pot? Yeah. I'll let you, you, you put that on I'll the cast. notes, Doc. I'll let you take Bielitsa that. Bielitsa was actually really, really, really good. He started the second quarter, and I was upset to see about that because. I was, I was too. We both shouted. We were like, Bielitsa! <laughs> game one. He, I mean, it was probably the best game of the year. But game one against the Lakers, he was awesome. Like, he, he had some situations where he's really good. And he played well in the last series. Um, I think in the Nuggets series, he was more useful. But this just doesn't seem like his series. Uh, the uh, Celtics are so athletic. And it turned out he played really well. They tried to pick on, pick on him on defense, and it just didn't work. He was defending Tatum and doing a really good job. So, shout out to Bielitsa. Um, I expect to see him more, and I will be. I, I want to see him. He had a, like a struggle. He couldn't shoot the ball for like the last third of the season, but he's kind of back to hitting some shots now. Um, I think it was hot at the beginning of season two, so yeah, a lot of averages is what it is. But um, I actually want to see him play some more finals minutes. Yeah. He looks really good. And one thing about the Steve Kerr model of trusting role players is it does work. That in the finals and in the playoffs, they're ready to handle their now reduced role. Because Damian Lee, for as much hate as he gets and often deserves, he played really well in the Memphis series up until a certain point. I think he played really well in the Memphis series and then was fine in the Dallas series up until that certain point. Like game two when he completely had disaster. Yeah, and then that's and came in and he played really well. Stats. So like the whole trusting your role players thing, it, it, it does work. So shout yeah. out to Steve Kerr. But yeah, Bielitsa, I would like to see some more minutes from him. Of course, Otto was Otto. You know, Otto. He's him. Yeah. And Big Loon. Big Loon had a perfect game from the floor. Six for six. He's literally the GOAT. Best center oh. in the league. I mean, not, not actually the center in the league. I'm not, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying, but is Loon a top 10 rebounder in the no, league? I know, I know. Like, probably not, but He's probably a top 10, that's like, pound for pound. Like, for their height, he's definitely top 10. I'll say that. Oh, yeah, because yeah. he's only, what, like, 6'9 or something? So. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, off the top of my head, I want to say no, because like, yeah, I don't want to, like, forget someone. But... Be a better, but... yeah. I don't know. Yeah. For his height, I would say he's top 10. But uh, he... In, he's he has perfected his role on our he's team. Dunking the ball, I'm surprised he can still dunk. He's played like 100 games this year. Exactly, the man who can't jump. Going off the bounce. <laughs> what are we? Yeah, what was exactly. That? that was our hardest game of the season, right? Or no? Yeah, because it was we're 13 and five in the playoffs. I think so. Yeah, I think it was our hundredth game of the season. 
and big winners. Throwing down dunks. That's him. Um, the Iron Man played every game this year. Me call and a couple of the guys. Like, oh. Yeah. Um, do you have a shout out, or should I go first? <laughs> go uh, yeah, I have one. I I might be taking years. I don't know. It, for those of you listening, we decided to keep our shoutouts to ourselves, so there'd be a surprise. Um, my shout-out goes to our friend um, who we all saw on the, <laughs> on the, the ABC broadcast of the game. Uh, the one, the only, Lucas Zanakis. Um, if you're listening to this, Lucas, that was... <laughs> hilarious to see you in all green all Celtics gear and your dad had like a green like suit jacket on too that was so funny because I think that was like partway through the third quarter so it was like right before mm-hmm. we went on our 21 to 2 run so like Lucas was like uh, like when they showed him it was like they're like oh find a happy Celtics fan in the crowd and then they like cut to Lucas and he's like clapping he's like let's go guys let's go and then like the Celtics just absolutely throw the game away in the rest of the third and then I looked. I was when I was rewatching the game. I looked on Jordan's pool. Jordan Poole's like half court step back. This man Lucas. He literally just like had. He like had his hands up or something. Like I couldn't tell because he was like at the very top of the screen, like of the main broadcast. He he did something. It was like oh my god. Like he did something like that. It was hilarious. So shout out Lucas Zanakis. Um, even though you're a Celtics fan, love you, bro. Yeah. Uh, please keep going to the home games because everyone you've gone to so far, we've won. Yeah, that was not mine, but it was one of the That was my shout out. But it is hilarious okay. that us and what, 15, 20 million of our closest friends also was in August cheering uh, in the middle of that third quarter. Um, and we were. Yeah. No, we literally in the theater, as we watched it in our local, in our local theater, like no one else was like saying anything and the four of us that were there we were just like oh my god like we all like pointed up at the screen and everyone got us there like what are you saying oh man oh uh, yeah he said his phone was blowing up too <laughs> everyone's texting <laughs> the headband on um yeah my shout out i was gonna we already kind of mentioned that we had some fortunate refereeing so I'll just uh, reiterate that. We, we got a lot of help for the refs, the Warriors did. Especially in that first quarter. Most, I think the rest of the game was fine. But the first quarter. It was mostly the first quarter. Yeah. And then, like, the Draymond tackle. But, um, but yeah. I'll have my shout-out to Nico Horner, who came back from injury. He's had a bunch of multi-hit games and is now up to hitting, like, I think he's just under 300 average and he's on like a seven yeah 736 ops he's on 294 average uh 736 ops which for this mlb is well above average so yeah having a very nice year i'm waiting for his walk rate to go up that's the one thing i'm looking for if the walk rate goes up and it becomes like a gets his obp up to like 350 or so all of a sudden if we're talking about like a top 10 choice out here but um yeah, having another nice year. Um, looking forward to the All Star appearance next year and the Gold Glove. But how did Nico? Every single one. For those of you who don't know us, Nico went to our high school. 
He's the only, I think only, or no, no, even Farinaro also, but they're the only two players to get drafted from our high school. So. Baseball team is not quite at that level anymore, but. Yeah. Yeah, because they were one year apart. I think Farinaro was class of 14 and Nico was class of 15. So that three-year stretch, they had two people that got drafted into the MLB. That's ridiculous. Two or something at that point. I think they were playing. They might have played D one. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that's gonna wrap it up though. If you are still here, thank you very much yeah. for listening or watching. I guess, but um, yeah, that's been episode two of the Frontrunners podcast. We'll catch you again next week when the Warriors will hopefully not be down three one. But if we are down 3-1, I will say I don't want to be down 3-1, but the only reason I would want to be is if I knew we would come back and win because that would be insane. That would be so funny. But hopefully the Warriors are up 3-1 because it will be much more comfortable. So, again, just to reiterate, thank you for listening. Episode was shorter this time. We got you guys. First episode, we had a lot to talk about. But this has been episode two, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace.